I have, uh, I wanted to just not do any kind of a message and just have everybody listen to the lyrics in those songs because if you really listen to the lyrics of those classic Christmas carols, they're, they're classics for a reason because they tell the story, just this beautiful story of the birth of Christ. Um, but since I'm a pastor and I have a chance, I'm going to make a message and you guys get to listen to it. Um, I called this message, it's got a, I, I had to come up with a name for it, I didn't have to, but I did, and I called it Delayed Gratification. The reason I called it that is because the Lord spoke that to me over and over again. It's something that he's actually working in me. Um, how many of you ever get gift cards for presents, for Christmas or birthdays or whatever? You get a gift card. Here's the difference between my wife and I. She'll get a gift card and she will tuck it away someplace safe discover it two years later, and we'll go like, hey, where'd this come from? I guess we're going to lunch. Me, if you give me a gift card, I have probably already spent it, or I'm thinking about how to on the way home, okay? I, I can't, that idea of delayed gratification, I struggle with it. If I have an opportunity, if you give me a present that's wrapped up and under a Christmas tree, I'm going to obsess over that until the time comes when I can open it. Now, how many of you here do, do your presents as a family on Christmas Eve, like we'll be doing them tonight, okay? And then the rest of you, I assume, tomorrow morning? Anybody, like, wait a week to do it? <laughs> how about waiting 30 years to unwrap the presents, the gifts you've been given? Think about that. Think about if you woke up tomorrow and you went down to the Christmas tree and all the presents were around and you said, look, kids, look at all the presents. Look how beautiful that is. And you get to open them just as soon as you graduate college. <laughs> Who does that? Nobody does that. Maybe if you said, oh, in about 30 years, you can enjoy the gift that you're receiving today. I can't imagine what that would be like. We just heard... Michael narrate from uh, Luke's gospel the account of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's just a, a beautiful section of scripture, and I love that. But I can't, being somebody who struggles with the idea of delayed gratification, I struggle with what it would feel like to be the people in the story that Michael was reading. For instance, think about this. Imagine what the shepherds would have felt like the day after the announcement. When they were in, and we've got an image of it. Let's put the image up there, okay? Not an actual picture. It's an artist surrendering <laughs> of the scene. But we talked about it in the last couple of weeks in the messages where these shepherds, they're minding their own business. They're in the, in the fields tending the flock, doing what shepherds do probably late in the night. They're just hoping that the flock is, is calm and they can just sit around a campfire and swap shepherd stories or whatever, whatever they do. <coughs> Excuse me. And then from out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appears and tells them, first of all, don't be afraid because I'd be freaking out if that happened to me. Don't be afraid, I brought you good news of great joy. And they're, and they're trying to digest this. And then the heavenly host uh, joins in and starts praising God. And the scene probably looked somewhat 
like that, where even though he opened up saying, don't be afraid, probably kind of terrified I would be. But in your mind, would you be thinking, okay, we know that they went back and they told some other people about it, but would you be thinking, oh, tomorrow's going to be different? We were just told that our Lord and Savior is coming. This is the birth of our Lord and Savior. Uh, We've been told we should be waiting for this. Tomorrow's going to be different. The Romans are going to be packing their bags and leaving Jerusalem. Um, We're no longer going to be shepherds. We're now going to be kings of our own place. Whatever it is that you had in your mind, life was going to look like after that day, it didn't really. It kind of just went back to normal. That's an official sound effect for what it means when things don't pan out the way in your mind that you thought they might. So these shepherds had nothing of any real consequence happen until they were old men. Some of them, people didn't live as long then as they do now. Some of them may not have even lived to see Jesus' ministry. Maybe they did, but they were old men by that time. Now, Imagine what Mary and Joseph felt like after being told by an angel of the Lord that their son would be the Messiah. So first we have what we know is called the Annunciation, right? Here's an image of it where the angel speaks to Mary. My guess is it didn't look anything near this casual when this happened. Mary looks like she's just like, tell me another story. But... I can imagine it was a little bit more dramatic like that. Luke records it like this. It's called the Annunciation. Luke 1, 26 to 33 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end." That's quite an announcement. What would you do with that? How would you unpack that if the angel just told you that? Like, well, that's pretty cool. We'll see how this works. Either way, you'd probably be thinking your next couple days were going to be a little different. Wouldn't you think? Then, after this, in Joseph's case, the angel now speaks to Joseph. Comes to Joseph in a dream. Now, here's an image of this. Joseph sleeps sitting up because he's a busy guy. But the angel comes to Joseph in a dream. That's in Luke, Luke 1, 18 to 21. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, after this dream, 
you had to be thinking, things are going to start changing around here and quick. Except in Joseph's case, most scholars believe that Joseph died before he ever got to see Jesus begin his ministry. Now, maybe when Jesus was teaching at the temple as a small, as a small kid, you would see, I have a special kid, but who here has a kid who doesn't think they're special in some way? That could be special in the classical sense or special in a, in a different sense. But we all think our kids are special. They didn't see the beginning of the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry for 30 years. And Joseph never saw it. Imagine how that would feel. You're just waiting. You're just waiting. When is this going to happen? When, when is this son that I've been told by the angel is going to be something? Um, when does that start? It would be tough to wait. Now, imagine that you're a nation. Imagine that you're the nation of Israel. And you have been told for thousands of years that the Messiah is coming. Going all the way back to Genesis, going all the way back to Moses and Abraham, and every prophet along the way, all the way through, talked about, just wait. A Messiah is coming. A Savior is coming. They were told to just wait, just wait. And they... And they waited. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah being one that wrote a lot about the coming Messiah, but he wrote this, uh, you know, 700 years before Christ was born. And he writes this, Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and she will name him Emmanuel. Could it be any more directly lined up with what happened? And then the prophet Micah, he was kind of a contemporary of, of uh, Isaiah, but Isaiah get, got all the headlines. Micah was kind of a, of a sub. Micah 5.2, Micah says this, But as for you, Bethlehem of Hathra, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will come forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. And then later again, Isaiah 9, 6, and it's commonly read around this time, Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Imagine hearing all those things for centuries, centuries, and it's not playing out in front of your eyes the way you thought it might. Things aren't looking right. Okay, even if you steadfastly believed in the word of God, believed in the promises of God, how long would it take you to go like, oh, we've waited long enough. I guess it's not happening. Or I guess we got it wrong. I think most of us at some point would start having second thoughts. Israel had become to be, be discouraged, a little jaded, a little impatient. They had actually started to take things into their own hands and say, well, something's got to be wrong. We know we're promised this, but it's not happening. Maybe we're doing it wrong. So they double down. We'll double down on the law. We'll double down on the things that we're doing, and we'll just, we'll just wish that Savior to come. But he didn't come until he did. And when the Messiah came, they missed him because they were looking for something different. 
And they had already long ago given up on the he's coming any day now and started trying to take things into their own hands. As we, now we have the benefit of sitting here going, okay, we've, we've heard of the birth of Jesus. We know historical documentation says it happened. We've got all these facts. The resurrection happened. The ascension, all these things. We have the word of God saying that all those things happen. And yet, as we wait now for what we call the second advent. See, when Jesus came in the flesh the first time, that was the first advent. Waiting for the second advent when Jesus returns. And how many of us tempted to give up on that promise. Like, I don't know, I don't know when he's coming, but I don't know if I can wait. I got things to do. How many of us? I think that is a temptation. Are we going to give up on the promise and move on? Or are we going to hold fast to those promises? Are we going to hold fast just like that present is wrapped and it's under the tree and there it is. And I know I can open it anytime I want. That's what the promise of God is. We can open that gift anytime we want. And if the fulfillment of God's promises seem to be taking forever, like, all right, who here has parents who on Christmas, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, when you go under the tree, if their parents like mine were, when you go down, my sister and I, we run down, and you're excited. You want to run down under the tree, and you want to grab the presents and tear them open and start, right? It's Christmas morning. This is what we do. How many had parents that say, hold on, we're going to have breakfast first. <laughs> hold on, we need to get some photos of everybody. And at my house, it was always, it was always our camera didn't have any film. So my mom was like, hang on, wait, just stay right there. I need to go find some film for the camera. This is before cell phone cameras, okay? You had to put film in cameras. And then the dreaded, I can't find any. So I'm, okay, we get to tear in, right? No, no, no. There's one Walgreens that's open on Christmas Day, and I know where it is. It's over on Colfax. Anybody? Still to this day. Like, uh, how many of us, <laughs> sometimes it just seems like it takes forever for God's promises to manifest in our lives. But when you're waiting for the Savior, waiting for Jesus, that presence already been given. And we can remember there's all kinds of prophecy. Um, there's prophets to talk about it. There's, there's apostles. The Apostle Paul talks about it. Listen to this. The words of the prophet Habakkuk, 600 years now before Jesus. Habakkuk 2, verse 3, says, For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hurries towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it delays, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay long. That was 600 years before Christ was born. At what point would we start to give up? The Apostle Paul said this, Galatians 6, 9, Let's not become discouraged in doing good, for in due time we'll reap if we do not become weary. So the question is, if we don't become discouraged, if we don't take matters into our own hands, we trust in the promises of God and we thank him for the greatest gift ever given in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, and we wait for his return. If we can do that and hold on to those things, not growing weary, what harvest of gifts will we reap? 
What harvest of gifts will you reap when the time is proper? So no matter what your gifts under the tree look like tomorrow or tonight, remember this. In Jesus Christ, you have already received the greatest gift of all. Amen? Guys, we're going to go into communion now. There is no better way to say thank you and to acknowledge, to say thank you, to acknowledge the gift. But if you say thank you for a gift and you acknowledge the gift, but you don't open it, it's unrealized. When we take communion together, what we are doing is we are saying thank you. I receive this gift. Thank you for this gift. And then opening it, what that means to us is we say all the things that that gift stands for. The renewed life, the righteousness, the fellowship with God, all the things that Christ offers, not to mention salvation and eternal life through him. All of those things, that's the gift. And if you just look at it and say, well, that's pretty cool. I'm going to put it over here and open it someday. He wants you to open that gift now and experience that now. When we take communion, that's what we're doing. Every time we take communion, we're saying yes. All those things and all that it means, I say yes to that. So the way we're going to do it right here, we're going to move around right now. We have the table in the back. We have self-serve communion. If anybody wants to serve themselves, there's juice back there and those single-serve cups. We will have one station on this side uh, where Gabe and I will be, a station on this side where I have completely forgotten to have somebody serve it. So um, can you guys do it? Awesome. (laughs) Fail, Pastor 101. So we'll have two stations. And up here what we've got is we've got wine and bread and gluten-free crackers. And what you do is you just dip in there and then take that. But let's do it not just like that's what we do. Let's just do it as if we're tearing into that present that's under the tree. Picture that Christmas tree. There's that one present that's left there, and it's got your name on it. And your parents have said, go for it. Let's tear into that gift. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys.